0: Um, Well, it's great to finally be here. Uh, If you don't know me yet, my name's Nick Van Ruth. I'm new here, Um, the new young adults pastor at Hills Baptist. Um, And can I say, it's been so great getting to know you all. You are a fantastic people. You are awesome. Um, I I really uh, love the way you care for each other. This community really looks out for each other. You're Uh, There's heaps of social things going on. You look out for each other. um, Yeah, there's a big part of this community is you value community. Um, You guys are a passionate group. Uh, You love Jesus and you love not just hearing what he has to say, but doing and obeying it. Uh, And that's fantastic. You're an active group. Uh, We've got Green Team next week, Christmas in in December, uh, just around the corner Um, And it seems like every second person I talk to either has done, is doing, or is going to do YWAM. Uh, So that is fantastic. You know, you are a bit tardy at times, but that's all right. Well, for now. (laughs) But I won't bring that up in my first sermon. Um, So who gets the credit for all that? Who gets the credit for how awesome you are? You know, is it Kurt, the previous pastor, his five years of investment in you all? Is it Mark, Mark Sanders, the current uh, senior pastor? He's not here tonight, but do we, you know, give him credit for uh, who you are, how awesome you are? Will it be me, now that I'm uh, um, the head honcho now, as we said before? Um, Is it you? Who gets the credit? Who is this all about? Now, it's very interesting, Um, if you're joining, uh, we're starting, sorry, not starting, I'm starting in a sense, but uh, we're continuing our series in Romans, Um, and in a lot of ways, it's a really weird passage to join in on, right towards the end of the book, um, Paul is just wrapping up his letter, and here I'm joining on uh, to preach my first sermon, so in a way, this is a bit weird, but actually... I'm convinced after going through the passage, looking at what it has to say, this is the perfect passage uh, for me to preach as my first sermon. I reckon Mark has a spiritual gift of sermon passage allocation. Uh, it's not his first time that he's really uh, hit it um, with what uh, God needs to say. So, and it's interesting because as I'm starting out in my ministry here as a pastor, you know, I'm thinking about who I am, where have I come from, what, what has brought me here, you know, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? And I shouldn't be the only one asking these questions. All of us are are in uh, transitioning seasons. We're going from one to another and all of us should be asking, you know, where have we come from? Where have we come from? Where are we going? And how are we going to get there? And, um, And it's really interesting because in our passage tonight, Paul's wrapping up the letter to Romans, to the Roman church, and he's reflecting on his ministry. And he's asking and answering those questions. What has he done? How did he get there? How did he do it? And what is he going to do next? So they're the the questions that Paul's reflecting on. They're the questions I'm reflecting on, that we're all reflecting on. So uh, I'm going to read the passage for us, and it'll be on the screen. But do open up your Bibles. Got your Bibles? Open up to Romans 15. I'll start at verse 14 and read to 22. Or your Bible app. You can open up that too. Just don't flick over to Facebook. The person next to you will keep you accountable on that. Um, I'm going to read it, and then we'll unpack... Those questions and see what the implications for us are. So Romans 15, from verse 14, Paul says, "I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me." to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me this priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not known, was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it's written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. So Paul begins uh, this section of the letter similar to how I began the servant. He, he's really pumping the Roman church up. He says, you guys are full of goodness, full of knowledge, and able to teach each other, and, and he's satisfied with them. He said he's, he's satisfied with them, which is really significant if you remember how critical Paul can be in his other letters. And so if this Roman church are so good, what qualifies Paul to, to speak so boldly to them, to remind them of, of so many things? Like the Roman, the Roman letter, it's not a short letter. It's a long, deep, um, a dense letter. So why is Paul, well, how can Paul write this letter to them? And he says it's because he's a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He's a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Now, to understand why that's significant, you need to understand the history of the Roman church. And you've probably heard it uh, through the series. But the Roman church, it's interesting. It didn't start in Rome. It started in Jerusalem. Uh, there was a whole uh, there was a Jewish festival, and uh, the Roman Jews would have come to celebrate uh, Pentecost, which was a Jewish festival before it became Christian. And there uh, they came across a guy, Peter, who, filled with the Spirit, preached the gospel to them, convicted them of their sin, and proclaimed the forgiveness that comes through Jesus, and showed how Jesus died but then rose again, and in Him they can have life in His name. And so these, these Roman Jews would have been converted in Jerusalem, and then went back to Rome and started a church there. And that church grew, and as Paul said, it was great. They they were full of knowledge and goodness, and teaching each other. and And Gentiles or or non Jews would have joined the church. It kept growing and growing, but there was a point uh, where the the Jewish persecution got really intense in Rome, and to the point that um a lot of historians believe that the Jews were kicked out of Rome. Uh, so at one point, the church, all the 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 leaders and the the elders and the um the uh, the originators of the church would have been kicked out, and and left Rome, and so all was left with the Gentiles. But the church, under you know by the grace of God, they, it kept growing, and it they kept doing great. And about five years later, the Jews would have returned, and at that point, uh, there would have been an impasse because there's the the Gentiles who have uh, grown this church for the last five years; it's throu- flourishing. And the Jews come back and like, oh, hang on, we're the ones that started this church. We were in charge five years ago. And so different, the different groups come with their different um, cultures and, and uh, different understandings of the gospel. And so, so one of the reasons Paul writes Romans is to speak into that and to say being Christian is not about being a Jew. It's not about the law or anything like that. It's not about being Gentile. It's about Jesus. And so Paul writes this letter as a Jewish Servant of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And he talks about what his, what his purpose in that role was. He was out to, um, to con- not just preach the gospel to Gentiles, but he was out to disciple them. He says um, that he, they would become an offering pleasing to the Lord. Now, it might sound like he's, he's doing um, human sacrifice, and that's not the case. Uh, what he's calling back to is Romans 12, what he calls the Romans church to do. And uh, can everyone remember Romans 12, verse 1? Yeah, yeah. Therefore, uh, brothers and sisters, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your act of spiritual worship. Absolutely. So what Paul was on about, he wasn't just about preaching the gospel and getting conversions and getting numbers up. He was up after deep discipleship, whole life change. That the, the lives of the Gentiles would not just um, change a little bit. They didn't, wouldn't just you know, understand the right thing or say the right thing. They wouldn't just believe it in their heart. But their whole life would reflect the message that they received, the news that they were saved by Jesus. Their whole life would be transformed. But is it Paul doing the work is it Paul doing the work? No, that's what he's on about. That's what his goal is. But it says they are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. They are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. They, they, they became more and more like Jesus. They were transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus and His Spirit that He sent to be with us. That is the one who transforms lives. You know, I'm, I'm the new pastor here. And um, I've got to tell you, I'm not going to be the one to bring change in your life. And even, even uh, you're not going to be the one to bring change in your life. The only one who's able to transform us is Jesus by His Holy Spirit. Even, um, you know, even we, can, we can think being part of a great culture can change us. We can think that listening to the right sermons or to, you know, doing the right disciplines might changes, but it really ultimately comes down to the Holy Spirit working in our lives. He is the agent of change, not me, not you, not your Bible study leader, not family member or whoever. Jesus is the change agent. So that's what Paul was doing. He was a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. He was preaching Jesus to the Gentiles. How did he get there? How did he get there? Was it because of his, uh, his significant qualifications? Was it because of his adherence to the law? He was a Pharisee, someone who went above and beyond what the law required. Was it because of his family background? Or was it because of the fact that he was a Roman citizen, a very high honor uh, at that time? No, it was none of those things. It was only by the grace of God that he became to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles only by the grace of God. Do you know what Paul was doing before he became a Christian? He was actually a really horrible person, All right, he was, um, he was self-righteous, he was arrogant, uh, and he, went around, he was cruel. He went around killing Christians and throwing them in prison, doing whatever he could to stop them. But on a day on the road to Damascus, Jesus showed up and turned his life upside down. And it was there by the grace of God he commissioned Paul to go and be his servant, his minister to the Gentiles. It's only by God's grace that he's called into that role. It's only by God's grace that he got to where he was in in Corinth at the time. You know, he was imprisoned a number of times, but by God's grace he was freed. He was was, um, persecuted and stoned and whipped, but by God's grace he was protected. It's only by God's grace... He's come to where he is. And you know, I am only here because of the grace of God and, and because of nothing else. It's only because of the grace of God. I was born into a family uh, with parents who, who loved me and taught me to love Jesus, who taught me about him, taught me what Jesus has done for me. And I grew up uh, loving Jesus, loving his word. It's only by the grace of God that at a time um, when I was bullied and, and thought um, that uh, being faithful was hard and I wanted to give up, I wanted to give up, God drew me in closer and didn't let me go, even though that's what I wanted. Only by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God that I've been given the opportunities I've been given, that uh, I've had people speak into my life at different points. It's only by the grace of God that Mark called me uh, six months ago. It's only by the grace of God that I can stand here before you and for no other reason. And it's only by the grace of God that you are here too. It's only by the grace of God that you have different roles in your families at work uh, in this church, outside of this church. No one's here because you earned it. No one's here because of what family uh, you've come from or what you've done You're here because of God's grace. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And so there's two implications for us from this. Uh, The first, that this gives us a profound humility. A profound humility because it's about Jesus. It's not about us. So there's no sense of entitlement, arrogance, or pride. Uh, You know, I'm not entitled just because I'm your pastor or I've, I've got... Whatever qualifications or whatever role, we're all equals under Christ, and so um, there's yeah, yeah. So there's a profound humility that comes to this, and and in the same sense, there's there's a humility when it comes to different roles we might be able to serve in. There's no role that's too good or too bad for any of us because we're only here by God's grace. You know, there's a group of us going down to Green Team next week, and we get to run uh, the Welcome Zone, and we get to run the Donut Station, right? So we're those guys that the schoolies rocking up, you know, they're hungry, they're in, they're in need of a sugar, bu- sugar rush, so they come to the Donut Station, and then they get they get Donuts from us, right? We get the, one of the best jobs uh, at Green Team. but But because of that, we are no better... Or worse, we're, we're not entitled. Or uh, The only reason we have that role is because of God's grace. And we just, we just play a small part in the whole operation. So there's no sense of entitlement, arrogance, because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. So that's the first implication. The second one. Is though we have a humility in ourselves, we can have a confidence in God. Because it's not about us, it's about Jesus. That's why Paul can write so boldly to the Romans. He's not writing them on the authority of himself or what he has to say. He's writing for what God has to say to them. So we should be humble in ourselves, confident in God, in his truth, in his word, in what His purpose is for us. We're here by the grace of God, so we can be confident that God's put us here for a reason. So that's what Paul's been doing. He's he's been a a minister for Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And how did he get there? By God's grace. Next question, how did he do it? How did he do it? And Paul explores uh, what he's been doing. And you can... um, uh, see from verse uh, 17 and 18 and 19 that Paul has, has a ministry to be proud of. He says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. He says, I'm proud of what I've done. Now, if you look at the map, that'll come up in a second, Paul says that he's, he's uh, so from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I've fully proclaimed the gospel of God. And I've, I've highlighted, there's Illyricum in the top middle, and then Jerusalem's down bottom right, and um, uh, yeah, effectively, Paul's been planting churches all around the whole Eastern Roman Empire. He's been proclaiming the gospel, uh, planting churches, has had an incredible ministry, incredible success, but where does he put the credit? Who gets the credit for all of those churches, all of that success? It's not Paul, it's Jesus. Paul says he says I will not venture to speak of anything what he's real like the the original language is really saying I dare not speak god forbid me saying anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the gentiles to obedience so who how did Paul do it he did it in Christ's power through through His words and deeds through the power of Christ working in him with what he says and what he does and also the power of Christ working in him to to be able to perform miracles and signs that actually bring healing into people's lives and actually point people to Jesus and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that brought real change in people's lives transformed the lives of the Gentiles and those that Paul ministered to it's Christ's power that worked through Paul but does that mean that Paul didn't actually do any work? If it was Jesus the one that, that was doing all the work, does Paul go, All right, Jesus, you take the wheel and you go and I'll just follow in your wake? No, Paul paid a part. You know, elsewhere, Paul says um, in, in, a, in a later letter, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. He says he's fought the good fight, he's finished the race, he's kept. The faith. Paul worked hard. He played his part. It was God making the real change in people's lives. But Paul had his part to play. And it's the same with us. Christ's power works through us. But that doesn't mean we don't work. You know, when I'm building something and I need a hammer in a nail, I don't leave the hammer in the toolbox. I need to get it out and use it. And the, the hammer doesn't say to me, Nick, you're, you're such a great carpenter, I'm not really, but uh, you're such a great carpenter, you can do it. You don't need me. No, we are God's instruments in His hands, in the instruments in the hands of our Creator, used for His purposes. So ministry success is not about Paul, It's not about me, It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus, not about us. It's about Jesus, and so there's another two implications we can draw from this. The first is that what will make or break my ministry here is not my ability to preach, it's not my ability to lead teams or to, to listen to people or to help people. It's not my ability of how many sports reference I can include in a sermon, or Kanye references. What will make or break my ministry is how I depend on God. What will make or break my ministry here is how I depend on God, for Him in everything. How will I be drawing from Jesus, from His Word, from uh, His power uh, in, to work in my own life as well and change me? And how I rely on the Word and on Jesus in the, uh, to change and transform all of us here. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. And it's the same for all of us. In whatever situation we find ourselves, at work, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in school, uh, in conflicts, in struggles, or if we're trying to share Jesus with someone, what will make the difference is not our effort, but our dependence on God. The other implication from this is that God can use us even in our failing. Because it's not about us, it's about Jesus. You know, can I tell you right now, I'm not necessarily ready to be a pastor. You know, there's stuff that I'm still working through, there's ways I'm still growing. You know, I'm going to mess some things up, I'm going to fail probably a lot of times. But I trust God, and I hope you trust that God can still use that, will still use that. I remember there was a time that a parent um, asked me to speak to their son uh, about something, and I, I said, sure. So I went and found this guy out and um, I started talking to him. I don't know what was going on that day for me, but I was a bit grumpy and, and very tired, and the, the conversation was just so awkward. I was asking questions, but he wasn't giving me any back, anything back. So I, I, I just started talking about, I, I can't even remember, it was just, I went away from that conversation thinking, oh my goodness, I really botched that up. That was incredibly awkward, w- what a failure. And then about a week later, the parent came and found me, and she, she said, Nick, thanks so much for speaking to my son. And I thought, hang on, are we talking about the same interaction? Are we talking about the same person? Because uh, uh, that, was, that was not a good conversation. <laughs> it's a train wreck. But God still used that. God still used me in my failing. God works through us with what we say, with what we do. And at times, through miracles and, and healings that, that point people to Jesus and through the work of His Spirit, transforming lives. Now, it's, it's all good and easy to say we need to rely on the power of Jesus and not our own. But you might think, yeah, that's great, but how do we do that? How do we do that? And that's a, that's a question I'm still working on. I'm still learning how to rely on Jesus and not myself. But here's uh, three things I think uh, can help us. The first is to seek Jesus as the first thing we do. So... You know, and I'm talking about, you know, opening up the Bible first thing in the morning. Because, you know, before we we get on the bus or, or whatever and hear all the different voices that our society's telling us, we need to hear Jesus' voice first and rely on Him and seek His purposes and seek His counsel and seek His word. So, seeking Jesus. The second one is praying earnestly about everything you know, if it's not about us, it's about Jesus, then we need to invite Jesus into our everyday interactions. You know, it took me a while to to realize that you can send up a two-second prayer, you know, God help me, Jesus help me. Um, You can say that in your mind, it's amazing. God, we can pray about everything and involve Jesus in everything. You know, in a conversation we're having with a friend, we can say, God, help me say the right things here. In a conflict we're having at work, God, help me be Christ to these people, to reflect you to these people. Whatever it is, we can pray that Jesus be part of it. We can invite Jesus into our days, into our interactions, into our lives. And the last one, relying on Jesus' power, is to take risks to step beyond ourselves, to step out in faith, to be brave, to be courageous. Because then then the power of God can work through us. Now, it's not to say that whatever we do then will succeed or that we won't fail, because we probably will. But God will still use that. Even if we fail, God can still use that. But of course, we might not know about it. God can use it, but we might not actually ever know. But it's not about us. It's about Jesus. So that, what was Paul doing? He was leading Gentiles to Jesus. What had brought Paul to where he was? It was Jesus and God's grace. How did he do what he was doing? Through Jesus. Hopefully by the end of the sermon, you know what the main point is. Um, so the next question, where is he going Next. Where is Paul going next? Now, Paul says his ministry is not done yet. And you have a look at what he's been involved in. he's his planted churches throughout the Eastern Roman Empire, um, thousands of kilometers of, of area that he's, he's ministered to. But he says, I'm not done yet. Paul's ambition, uh, he says in verse 20, is to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. And if you look down a little bit further... Uh, you can see in verse 24 that Paul's plan is to go to Spain, is to go to Spain. So there is Spain, Hispania, on the other side, all the way on the other western side of the Roman Empire. So effectively, what Paul is saying is that I want the whole known world to know Jesus. That was Paul's ambition. Paul's ambition was God's mission. It wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. And his part was to go out and plant churches throughout uh, the, the Western R- Roman Empire. And maybe some of you here also have that calling, going and seeking out people who do not yet know Jesus. Maybe someone here has a heart to go to a community that's never heard of Jesus and share Jesus with them. You might feel the call to go across the sea to a different culture. They'll be difficult and challenging and risky. But Christ's power will work through you to to preach Jesus to those people who otherwise would never hear of him. Or maybe you know another important aspect of all this is Bible translation. Do you know um, there's 2,000 languages that don't have any of the Bible in them? 2,000 languages where no one has uh, the Word of God accessible to them in their mother tongue, in their heart language. 2,000 out of 7,000 total languages. So there's 2,000 people groups who don't have access to the truth of Jesus in their own words uh, as, as the Bible communicates it. So there's an important work to, to do there. There's people who need to hear the Gospel and there's urgent work happening. But do you realise that you don't need to go overseas to find someone who doesn't know Jesus? You don't need to go overseas. I was talking to someone recently, um, there's one particular people group uh, who uh, who wouldn't otherwise have any access to Jesus, but currently are being ministered to in an incredible, powerful and surprising way. So thousands of Kanye West fans currently are are being shared the gospel with through his album. And like it's in the title, Jesus is King. And I think even more importantly, through his story. But of course, it's not about Kanye. It's about Jesus. It's only by God's grace that he was saved in the first place. It's only by God's grace he has that kind of platform. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And you know, all of us here have contact with people that otherwise would have no exposure to who Jesus is. Our friends at work, our families, our clients, our contractors, uni lecturers, school peer groups, neighbours, they need to know Jesus. And by our words and deeds, what we say and what we do, we can share and show Jesus to these people. You know, it might be the, the tone of the email that you send first thing tomorrow morning, or how you interact with your friends, how you, you uh, act around um, gossip or drinking, what you say and what you talk about, you going up to a friend and, and asking how they really are. And in that, you can bring the hope of Jesus to people who otherwise would never hear it. You know, we live in a post-Christian world with pre-Christian knowledge. So post-Christian world with pre-Christian knowledge. What that means is that our society as a whole has rejected Jesus, has rejected Christianity, and yet they don't really know anything about Jesus. So how are they going to know about the Jesus that they've rejected? All of us, as we go out these doors at the end of the night, we are going out on mission, on mission, to seek out these people and to share Jesus with them. You know, as a church, our ambition is God's mission. And again, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. So what is our part to play in God's mission? What's our part to play? What's your part to play? Now, I don't know how you're feeling uh, at the end of one season transitioning into a new one. You know, perhaps you're weary uh, Burden by just trying to keep up with life, relying on your own strength. And maybe uh, tonight you need to cast your burdens on Christ and on His power and rely on Him to, to, to fill you with all that you need. Trust in His strength and not your own. Maybe, like me, you're entering a new season of responsibility and uh, there's temptation there to feel confident and proud in your own abilities. And you need to confess this and shift your focus from yourself to Jesus. Praying that you would not depend on your own strength, but depending wholeheartedly on God in everything. And maybe tonight there's been a spark of interest. uh, A sense of calling, as um, one pastor in uh, the UK says, a quiver in your liver. uh, That God's calling you to reach the unreached, to reach someone who does not yet know about Jesus. You know, maybe it's uh, it's God calling you across the sea to get connected with with something like Miracle Connect and the great work they're doing. There's a group that's reaching a people group that would otherwise have no exposure to Jesus through the radio, through TV, through media. Is God calling you to just cross the street to your neighbor, who does not yet know Jesus? Is he calling you to cross the room? You know, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And so the greatest implication, I've already mentioned it, but the greatest implication of all this is that we need to be a church that is reliant on God in everything. That is on our knees, praying that Jesus would show up, that he be the one working through us, working through, through me, through all of us involved that he'd be transforming us by his spirit and that he wouldn't just work in here, but he would send us out to work in whatever place we go. You know, this is what it's all about. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. So um, I'll invite the band up. I'll finish up. I'm going to pray, uh, but I'll also say there's the prayer team coming up um, as well. We'll be at the front. And if there's anything that you wanted prayer for, or maybe something along those lines of those last three points, or anything you wanted prayer, can I encourage you to do that? Because it's not about us, it's about Jesus. So let's invite Jesus into our lives, into our situations, to, to demonstrate His power and His man- majesty in our lives. Let's, I'm going to pray and then, um, then we'll sing. God, thank you so much that it's not about us. Thank you for uh, Paul and his great ministry and the legacy that he's left. But of course, it wasn't him doing the transformation. It was you working through him. And God, we pray uh, that because it's not about us, it's about Jesus, that we would focus our lives on Jesus and what he's done in our lives. We thank you that it's only by his grace we're saved. It's only by his grace that we are where we are. And it's only by His grace will we go where we where You send us. And God, I, I pray uh, that You would be with each and every one of us this week. God, last week was my commissioning. Tonight, I want to commission these guys to go out in Your name to preach Christ in every situation they have in their workplaces, at their schools, in their neighborhoods, in their families. God, You, Your mission is that the whole world. Would know you and we pray that you would use us on your mission our ambition is God's mission and so God we pray that we bring you glory that you would you would be known across the world across the sea but also across the street and God there might be people that we can think of now that don't yet know you that we are the only Christian influence in their life And God, we pray for those people that you, by your Holy Spirit, would transform them, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would reveal the hope that we have in Jesus, that only by him that we are saved, that we are made whole, that we we can be in relationship with you. And God, in all this, we pray that we would bring you glory, that all glory be to Christ and not ourselves. Because it's not about us, it's about Jesus. And so we pray this in his name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.